Hey everyone, Dr. Richard Lai here with Study Acupuncture with me, and this is an episode on all things large intestine patterns. Today, we're going to go over all of the full patterns that your patient can present with, and in the next episode, we're going to go over all of the empty patterns that someone can present with. So this is going to be a longer podcast. So if you're working an eight-hour shift, this is going to eat up some of that time for you. And if you're on the treadmill right now, get comfortable because it's going to be a long podcast. So let's dive right in. First, let's talk about exactly what a full pattern is and what an empty pattern is. On the board exam, there's a lot of different pattern identification theories that you just you have to know. So for example, one of them is organ patterns, which is what we're talking about today. We're going to review large intestine patterns. There's also the six stages theory. There's also the four levels theory. There's also the eight principles theory, which is what we're talking about right now, and a whole lot more. And actually, if you click on the link in the show notes, you'll see a complete list of all the different theories that you need to familiarize yourself with. And if you subscribe to me on my YouTube and also subscribe to this podcast, I'm going to review each of those theories. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of those episodes. So first, let's define full pattern and let's define empty pattern. Now, this is actually part of the identification of patterns according to the eight principles. And the eight principles is actually the ground floor that we as acupuncturists stand on for all of our diagnoses. What do I mean by that? Eight principles, it lets us know three really important things about our patient. Number one, it lets us know the location of the disharmony. Number two, it lets us know the nature of the disharmony. And number three, if we know these two things, it allows us to know the treatment principle, which is really important because we need to treat the right diagnosis. So the eight principles are interior, exterior, hot, cold, full, empty, yin, yang. Now, one thing to understand is that the eight principles aren't an either or statement. Because pretty much nothing in acupuncture is literally just this or just that. That's what I mean by either or. It's not something rigid because there's going to be conditions that are both exterior and interior or both hot and cold. If you look at the yin-yang symbol, for example, there's black within white. There's white within black. It's never just completely black or completely white. And that's the point of the eight principles as well. It's not an either or statement. The eight principles helps us as acupuncturists understand how the patient's pathology actually came about and the nature of the pathology that they're presenting with. Let's do an example. Let's say you have a patient who complains that they feel tired. They have loose stools. They have a poor appetite. They feel cold. Their arms and legs are cold. Their abdomen feels full. They feel heavy. And when you assess their pulse, the pulse is soggy. And when you look at the tongue, the tongue coating is sticky. So let's start with the soggy pulse. A soggy pulse can let us know that the patient is presenting with dampness. Soggy pulse can also mean yin deficiency or essence deficiency. But usually on an exam question, when they say soggy pulse, it usually means dampness. So what does a soggy pulse feel like? A soggy pulse is actually a very soft pulse. It's floating, but it's not as high as a regular floating pulse. When you feel a floating pulse, you touch the patient's radial pulse superficially. And right away, just with light touch, you feel the pulse. With a soggy pulse, you have to give a little bit of pressure. It's lower in terms of like depth than a floating pulse. 
you find it and it's there. But as soon as you apply some heavier pressure to a soggy pulse, that's when it disappears. And that's how you know it's a soggy pulse. When you palpate it, it's lower than a floating pulse. You apply some pressure, it disappears. That's a soggy pulse. And it means dampness. So soggy pulse means dampness. The patient that we're talking about right now, they say they feel heavy and their tongue coat is sticky. So those are another two points for dampness. Now, what about the other manifestations that the patient's presenting with? They say tiredness, loose stools, poor appetite. Those three sound like a chi deficiency type, right? Specifically, it sort of sounds like spleen deficiency, right? Spleen chi deficiency. But we also have that the patient feels cold. Their arms and legs are cold. If their arms and legs are cold, then we could be working with yang deficiency and more specifically, spleen yang deficiency. Now, if the question said that the patient was just presenting with tiredness, loose stools, and poor appetite, that's spleen chi deficiency. But because it also says that they feel cold, the arms and the legs are cold, then we have to consider yang deficiency, specifically spleen yang deficiency. And this is because the spleen, the spleen has a function to transform and transport. So if the spleen has chi deficiency, yeah, that can cause loose stools, that can cause poor appetite, that can cause tiredness, but also yang deficiency because the spleen's function, yang function, is to transform and transport. So both spleen chi deficiency and spleen yang deficiency will both manifest as loose stools, poor appetite, and tiredness. Only yang deficiency can cause a patient to be cold, to have cold arms and cold legs. And that's because the spleen controls the muscles of the arms and the legs. So that's a point of differential diagnosis between spleen chi deficiency and spleen yang deficiency. So let's ask ourselves, according to each of those eight principles, for this patient, let's start with interior and exterior. Is there interior and exterior in this patient? Yes, there is. Because in this case, the spleen is affected. So since the spleen is affected, it's in the interior. Now, is there hot and cold? Yes. Since there's cold symptoms, we're thinking this is going to tend more towards cold. Now, how about full and empty? And now this is my point here. If you're not familiar with what full and empty means, full can also mean excess. Empty can also mean deficiency. So is this patient suffering from an excess condition, a full condition? Is this patient suffering from a deficiency condition, an empty condition? Now, we already determined that the patient has some yang deficiency. So Yang deficiency itself is deficiency condition, so that's empty. But there's also dampness in this patient, right? And dampness is an excess condition. It's a full condition because a full condition is where the patient has a pathogenic factor and the body is fighting that pathogenic factor. So in our case here, our patient has dampness. So the patient is fighting that dampness. They feel heavy. They have a soggy pulse. So the condition according to the eight principles here is a full condition. Now, if in an entirely different example, our patient has heat signs or they have wind signs, those are still examples of full conditions because a full condition is defined as there's a presence of a pathogenic factor and the patient is fighting against it. Now, an empty condition, an empty condition is one where the patient is having symptoms because of a deficiency because of a weakness. For example, qi deficiency, yang deficiency. They feel tired. They have a weak voice. They want to lay down. That's a deficiency condition. That's an empty condition. They feel weak. They feel tired because they lack something. 
they're feeling deficient, they're lacking qi, they're lacking yang. So in our patient case here, the patient has some deficiency, specifically spleen yang deficiency. And then from a yin yang perspective, our patient has yang, right? Yang deficiency. So all of that lets us know our treatment principle. We were able to figure out that the patient has dampness. So we have to choose points that expel damp. We were able also to figure out that the patient has yang deficiency. So we need to tonify yang. Specifically, we need to tonify spleen yang. So that's the eight principles. That's the foundation we bring to our patients when we examine them. It's not like we're pigeonholing ourselves into an either-or statement, but we're taking the patient's presentation, we're using the eight principles to understand them whole. Is it a full condition? Is it an empty condition? Is it interior? Is it exterior? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it yin? Is it yang? How much of it is yin? How much of it is yang? How much of it is full? How much of it is empty? That whole process helps us to get to our treatment principle. Okay, so now that we understand a little more about the eight principles, let's go into our large intestine patterns. So first, we're going to go over full conditions or full patterns. And then in the next episode, we're going to go over empty conditions or empty patterns. So for full patterns, remember we defined it as something that has a pathogenic factor and the body is fighting against it. So there's five full patterns for large intestine. There's damp heat in the large intestine. There's heat in the large intestine. There's heat obstructing the large intestine. There's cold invading the large intestine. And then number five, there's qi stagnation in the large intestine. So let's start with the first full pattern, which is damp heat in the large intestine. All right, so first, before we dive into the manifestations and the treatment principles, let's get into the right mindset. Because when we go about board exam prep, we should begin with the end in mind, which is you passing the board exam. Now, how do you pass the board exam? You answer most of the questions correctly. So who's making these questions? Someone is making these exam questions. So let's think like the exam question maker. As an exam question maker, we want the student to get to the diagnosis of damp heat in the large intestine. So one kind of question that we can ask is, what manifestations would you expect to see in our patient with damp heat in the large intestine? So we would expect to see damp heat signs, obviously. So then as the exam question maker, we want to hide these damp heat signs in a question format because we want to test our students' knowledge. Do they know how to identify damp heat in the large intestine? So I ask you, do you know what the key manifestations for damp heat in the large intestine are? So one of the key manifestations for damp heat in the large intestine is that there's mucus and blood in the stools. So those are three words right there that are basically synonyms for damp heat in the large intestine. We have damp with mucus, blood with heat, and stools with large intestine. Now, another key manifestation for damp heat in the large intestine is abdominal pain. Because heat itself, it generally doesn't cause pain in our patient. But if you combine that heat with damp, that's when we can have pain, especially if our patient's pooping out mucus and blood, their stomach is probably going to be hurting. So now let's keep thinking like an exam question maker. What else can we use to make sure our students know damp heat in the large intestine? We can test our knowledge of the tongue and the pulse. So what kind of tongue, what kind of pulse would you expect to find in a patient with damp heat in the large intestine? So that means we're testing for a dampness type pulse. So does our student know what pulses are a damp pulse? So we have a couple of them. We have slippery pulse, which is usually the first one that comes to mind. 
but we also have a soggy pulse, which could also mean dampness. So for this patient's case, we have damp and we have heat. So what about a heat pulse? A heat pulse can make the pulse fast. In TCM terms, that heat pulse means rapid pulse. So we can have, if we combine the two, a slippery rapid pulse, which means damp heat. Slippery, dampness, rapid heat. So therefore we have a damp heat pulse. Now for the tongue, since there's dampness, we would expect to see some stickiness since sticky tongue coat means dampness. And because we also have heat, we would expect to see some changes to the tongue body and we would expect to see changes to the tongue coat. So if there's heat, we would expect the tongue body to be more red because of the heat. And for the tongue coat, we would expect to see a color change, which we would expect to see yellow. Now those are both heat signs, a redder tongue body and a yellow tongue coat. So then as an exam question maker, we would hide these key manifestations in a paragraph of fluff. And then we would ask the student to identify the pattern. So for example, a question can be like this. Samuel is a 48-year-old computer software engineer. Fluff. He complains of abdominal pain that's not relieved by a bowel movement. Less fluff. When he does have a bowel movement, it is diarrhea and it smells really bad. And there's blood and there's mucus. He says that he feels heavy. He feels thirsty but he doesn't want to drink water. His urine is scanty and dark. Which of the following would you expect his pulse to be? A, deep and weak. B, slippery and rapid. C, deep and tight. D, wiry in the rear positions. So that's a really good question right there. So how would you even approach this type of question though? So here's my tip for approaching it. You can read the answer choices first. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, try to rewatch the YouTube version of this so you can actually see the question on the screen as we talk about it. So when you approach a question like this and you read the answer choices first, you can use the answer choices to your advantage because you can understand what's the theme amongst the answer choices. So in this case, we have A, deep and weak, B, slippery and rapid, C, deep and tight, D, wiry in the rear positions. So A and C, they're pretty similar. They both have deep pulses. One is deep and weak. One is deep and tight. So then you have to understand what those two even mean. A deep pulse means it's an interior condition, or there could be some yang deficiency. But a deep pulse generally means an interior condition. A weak pulse means yang deficiency. And a tight pulse can mean that it's a cold condition. Think about when you see power lines outside, how they get taut when it's cold. So deep and weak, yang deficiency or an interior condition. Deep and tight can mean interior cold. Deep and tight, that tight can mean cold. The deep can mean interior condition. So put them together, it could mean interior cold. So then look at the question. If you don't see a weak, yang deficient patient, or if you don't see a cold patient, then you can take your pen of mightiness and cross out choice A and cross out choice C because you just eliminated two answer choices through the process of elimination and you gave yourself a higher chance of getting the question right because now you can basically guess between two other choices and that's basically a 50-50 chance. So now when you look at the remaining choices, you have B, slippery and rapid, and then you have D, wiry in the rear positions. So we have wiriness in the rear position. That's really hard to say, right? Wiriness in the rear position. So what's the rear position? 
On the right side, from front, middle to rear, we have lung, spleen, and pericardium. We can also say lung, spleen, and kidney. So the rear position is pericardium and kidney. On the left side, we have that Hello Kitty. We have heart, liver, and kidney. We can also say bladder for the rear position there. So we can say kidney or bladder. So then does that make sense for this question that we have wiriness in the rear positions? We have wiriness in the pericardium. We have wiriness in the kidney. We have wiriness in the urinary bladder. Does that make sense? Now, although it can in some cases, we can also look at the pulses in this way. We can look at it from a jowl perspective or a burner perspective. We can look at the pulses with an upper jowl, middle jowl, and lower jowl, or upper burner, middle burner, and lower burner. So the rear position would be the lower burner. So wiriness in the rear position would mean cheese stagnation in the lower jowl. So then let's go back to the question and see if our patient is someone with cheese stagnation in the lower jowl. So for this case, we don't really see cheese stagnation symptoms, right? We don't see any irritability. We don't see any bitty stools. We don't see cheese stagnation symptoms. But what our patient does have is diarrhea that smells really badly, which is a heat sign. They have mucus in that diarrhea and there's blood, which are both damp and heat signs. So our patient has damp heat. So that's why answer choice B, which is slippery and rapid pulse, would be the best choice. And that's how you use the process of elimination to answer an exam question. So hopefully you got a ton of value just from that test taking tip right there. And if the next question asks you what kind of treatment principle would you use to treat the patient in the previous question, since you already figured it out that it's damp heat, you would want to clear that heat out. You would want to resolve that dampness and potentially you'd want to stop that diarrhea, which are all good examples of good treatment principles. All right, so now let's move on to the next full pattern, which is heat in the large intestine. So again, let's put on our exam question-making thinking cap and ask ourselves, what are the key manifestations that we would want our student taking the exam to find? So for heat signs in the large intestine, the key manifestations of heat in the large intestine are dry stools thick, yellow, dried tongue coat, burning pain, or even just a burning sensation in the anus. Well, we have to understand a couple things to unpack that. If there's heat in the large intestine, according to the eight principles, this is an excess condition. It's a full condition. Because heat, heat is a pathogenic factor that's affecting our patient. It's present in our patient, and our patient's body is fighting against it. Now, how else do we know that it's excess? that heat is drying up the body fluids. So if there's heat in the large intestine, the body fluids that are supposed to be in the stools are gonna be burned up by the heat. That's why the stools are dry and that's why there's also a burning sensation in the anus. Now on the other hand, dry can also come from deficiency. For example, if the patient's dehydrated, they have body fluid deficiency. But for this one, it's not the case. This case, it's an excess condition. The heat is drying up the body fluids. It's not deficient. It's not that they're dehydrated and they have body fluid deficiency and that's why they have dry stools. It's an excess condition where heat is burning up the body fluids and that's causing the dry stools. That's causing the dry yellow coating. So now heat in the large intestine, we would expect to see some dry stools. We would expect to see some burning sensations. Now, what kind of pulse would you expect from this heat? Would you expect a rapid pulse or would you expect a slow pulse? 
And since it's heat, we would obviously expect a rapid pulse. That's pretty straightforward. All right, so heat in the large intestine is pretty simple. Just keep in mind that heat can affect other things as well. Like for example, our patient might have dark urine, which is also another heat sign. All right, so now let's move on to the next full pattern, which is heat obstructing the large intestine. Now, this is a very special pattern. It's very similar to heat in the large intestine, but instead of just being in the large intestine, now there's heat obstructing the large intestine. So the key manifestations for heat in the large intestine and heat obstructing the large intestine are pretty similar, except for one thing. For heat obstructing the large intestine, there's gonna be fever. That's the main factor as why you would diagnose it as heat obstructing the large intestine. With heat in the large intestine, the stools are dry. There's a burning sensation. There's a thick, dry, yellow tongue coat. On the other hand, with heat obstructing the large intestine, we have constipation because the heat is obstructing, well, the stools because the stools are dry. We also have a dry, yellow tongue coating. And in heat obstructing the large intestine, we also have fever. And that fever is all the difference. Heat in the large intestine, no fever. Heat obstructing the large intestine, yes, there's fever. In fact, heat obstructing the large intestine is actually one of the patterns that we see in the six stages theory. And that's what makes the heat obstructing the large intestine pattern that much more special. Now, if you've gone over the six stages in school, you'll remember that the six stages is a theory of patterns for which there are six stages. The first stage is the Taiyang stage the great yang stage. And that's the stage that's the most exterior. Well, actually, it's the only exterior stage. And after Taiyang stage, we have the yang ming stage. And the yang ming stage is where the pathogenic factor has now gone interior. It was exterior in the Taiyang stage. Now it's interior in the yang ming stage. In the exterior stage, there were some cold symptoms. Now, since it's gone interior, now it's been transformed to heat. And so we'll see heat signs. So in the Yang Ming stage, there's two patterns there. There's the Yang Ming organ pattern, and there's the Yang Ming channel pattern. So there's an organ pattern, and there's a channel pattern. And this is in the Yang Ming stage of the six stages. So first, let's talk about the channel pattern. The channel pattern is where you have the four bigs. The manifestations all have to do with a big blank. First one is big thirst, big sweat, big fever, big pulse. So the channel pattern is where you have manifestations that have to do with the word big, big thirst, big sweat, big fever, big pulse. In the Yang Ming stage, there's also the organ pattern. And that's the one we're talking about right now. That's where we have constipation, where we have dry stools, where we have fever. And that's what makes this pattern so special. It's discussed as part of the full patterns of the large intestine, and it's actually one of the co-stars of the Yang Ming stage of the six stages, where there's an organ pattern and there's a channel pattern. The Yang Ming organ pattern co-stars with the Yang Ming channel pattern. And just to say it one more time, the Yang Ming channel pattern, or the bright Yang channel pattern, is the one with the four bigs. The four bigs are big fever, big thirst, big pulse, and big sweat. The Yang Ming organ pattern is the one that we're talking about right now where fever is that main characteristic because according to the six stages, the pathogenic factor has gone interior now. So that's why there's a full-blown fever. 
So that's heat obstructing the large intestine where there's fever. Now let's get into the next full pattern, which is cold invading the large intestine. So first, what are the manifestations of cold? Cold can make a patient feel cold. That's obvious. Cold can make a patient's pulse feel tight. And cold can also cause pain. And there's specific characteristics of cold-related pain. That's cramping. That's spasm. And usually the pain that they experience is going to be made worse by cold, whether that be cold foods, whether that be cold liquids, or it could be even be cold weather. And on that note, that also means that the patient will say that warmth will usually make them feel better. Warm temperatures, warm compresses, that's going to make them feel better. So those are easy ways to know that it's a cold pathology. Now, one thing to say about the quality of the pain Cold-related pain is cramping and spasming, and that's because cold contracts things. It makes things smaller, which is why there's cramping and there's spasming. Okay, so now for cold invading the large intestine, the main manifestations are sudden abdominal pain, diarrhea, a feeling of cold, and a pulse that's deep and tight. Now again, with this pattern, cold has invaded the large intestine. And this could happen for a number of reasons. Our patient could have been exposed to the cold elements for a long period of time. It could also mean that because our patient has some sort of yang deficiency, that it made it easier for them to be invaded by cold. Regardless of the reason, it's important to know one thing. The large intestine is one of three organs that can be attacked by exterior cold directly. The uterus is another one. The stomach is the third one. So the three organs that can be attacked directly by exterior cold are large intestine, uterus, and stomach. And what I mean by directly is that usually if there's cold that's invading, it's going to settle where? It's going to settle in the exterior. It's going to settle in the tole, which is the area between the skin and the muscles. That's the area where your wei qi is. That's the area where your defensive qi is. That's where your defensive qi circulates. If there's cold invading, it's going to be obstructing that area. And that's why our patient's going to have symptoms like aversion to cold, headache, stiff neck, floating pulse. Because the attack is on the exterior of the body, there's going to be these exterior symptoms, the aversion to cold, the headache, the stiff neck, the floating pulse. But with cold invading the large intestine, the cold attack the body and it straight up bypassed the exterior. And it went straight into the interior and it settled into the large intestine. So you don't have symptoms of the defensive chi being obstructed. You just have large intestine being attacked. So you're going to have abdominal pain. You're going to have diarrhea. Since it's a cold attack, the patient will also say that they feel cold. And since it's an interior cold now, that's why when you feel the pulse, you'll feel interior type pulse, which is deep. And you'll feel a cold type pulse, which is tight. So you might find a deep and tight pulse. Now, a deep pulse. Deep pulse means that you feel the pulse with deep pressure, with heavy pressure. You feel it near the bone. That's why it's a pathology that's gone interior. So then what's our treatment principle for this? For cold invading the large intestine, we would want to expel that cold from the large intestine. And we would want to warm the lower jowl. Because there's cold that's invaded, we want to expel the cold. Now that cold is causing our lower jaw, our abdominal area, to have pain, to have diarrhea, and to have spasm or cramping type pain. So we want to warm that lower jaw so that that cold pain can go away. 
All right, so now the next one is cheese stagnation in the large intestine. So let's break this down again as an exam question maker. We want to see manifestations of cheese stagnation. We want to make sure our student can understand and break down what is cheese stagnation and what does it look like when there's cheese stagnation in the large intestine. So immediately, we would want them to think about manifestations of cheese stagnation. So what are the manifestations of cheese stagnation? Wiry pulse is a definite. Distension, that might be there too. Stress, irritability, emotional issues, that might be there as well. So what are the main manifestations of cheese stagnation in the large intestine? We have abdominal distension, pain, bitty stools. So what are bitty stools? Bitty stools are also known as pebble-like stools or goat stools. Or for those of you in the know, there's an assessment tool called the Bristol Stool Chart. And this pebble-like stool or bitty stool is actually type 1 according to this Bristol Stool Chart, which means our patient is having some severe constipation because either they're not consuming enough fiber or for whatever reason, there's just not enough water in their stools causing the stool to be pebble-like. On our end, in TCM, we refer this as goat stools, bitty stools, pebble-like stools. As far as the root, we determine this to be due to cheese stagnation. And cheese stagnation causes this bitty stools because our body is improperly moving and transforming fluids. And that overall will lead to bitty stools. Now, other manifestations related to cheese stagnation in the large intestine are abdominal distension, pain, constipation with bitty stools, irritability, and we might even see exacerbations in our patient in their condition directly related to changes in their mood. So if they have pain, that pain will increase because of changes in their mood. So when we break it down, it all makes sense as to why it would be cheese stagnation in the large intestine. Cheese stagnation can cause irritability and distension. And if we're stressed, that can cause exacerbations in our condition, which makes it worse. So what kind of pulse then would we expect? We would expect to see in a cheese stagnation person, a wiry pulse. So in this specific example of cheese stagnation in the large intestine, we would find wiry pulse in the rear positions. And remember, we talked before what those rear positions mean. The rear position can mean the areas of the body, the jowls, the burners. So the upper burner is the front position, the middle burner is the middle position, and the lower jowl or the lower burner is that rear position. So if there's cheese stagnation in the rear positions, that could also be cheese stagnation in the lower jowl or the lower burner. So which would make sense in this case because the name of the pattern is cheese stagnation in the large intestine, which is in the lower jowl. All right, so cheese stagnation in the large intestine is actually the last full pattern that we're going to talk about today. In the next episode, we're going to go over the empty conditions of the large intestine. So if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify, please just leave a comment. I definitely want to hear from you. And my current cadence right now is to try to shoot for one podcast slash YouTube video a week. So until next time, God bless and happy studying.